Welcome to the Almost 30 Podcast. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Krista. And we're your hosts, guides, and friends on this path. Almost 30 is not about your age. It's about the feeling. All of us are almost something, seeking community and resources to support the rumblings of transformation within us. Our conversations are deep dives, shepherded by our insatiable curiosity and desire for connection, enduring inspiration, and a sense of levity that we can all benefit from. We're looking to find the magic in the human experience. Buckle up, baby. Your evolution is waiting. Hello and welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. Hello, family. It's Lindsay and Krista. So happy you're here. We're together. We're together. We're touching. We're touching each other. (laughs) We're back in New York and I'm so excited to be here. I know. I'm very excited. We haven't seen each other in four months. Four months. I just met baby Mav. Which is wild. Wild. I know. I feel like we both live very odd lifetimes. God's so crazy. Lindsay and I's lives literally when we met are completely opposite now. Yeah. Where I'm like talking about dating and you're talking about baby and at least you're doing it in a conscious way. A hundred. Yeah. You know, would you say yours wasn't? Absolutely not. <laughs> no. I feel like I was on that like I was right on the yeah, precipice of becoming more conscious with dating, but yeah. I absolutely was not. I think you were more than you think, but, yeah. but at I that was, time, no one was really as conscious. Yes. So who I was dating was absolutely bringing me down to the lower level. We were talking about tanning and like crazy shit on the yeah. podcast anyway, so. What was that voice note you sent me? It wasn't a voice note, but it was a recording that we had done when we were in Palm Springs. We would do this, which not professional. We would record on our phones episodes of the podcast when we'd be, quote, on the road. (laughs) Tell me more. Okay, so for anyone who wants to start a podcast, you really don't need any equipment. You should actually use your cell phone and just record voice notes on your cell phone. So when we started the show back in like 2016 or something, we started recording just like the practice. So we'd be traveling, we'd be doing all these things. And we were kind of making it like a concept where it would be like us anywhere we were, kind of like a <laughs> ambushy. I don't even know. We were like sitting cute on the bed. We're like, let's talk. Yeah, we're like, let's just girl talk. <laughs> and so we were in Palm Springs and I recorded it on my phone and I have a few episodes that we've recorded from my phone from like 2016 or something that I was listening to. And they were just... So silly, rific. It was just and very our voices are so different. They're so different. So different. Like I was listening. To, mine is very different because I didn't have a voice. Yeah. But yours is so different too. Where mm-hmm. like you can feel the drop in. Yeah. Now I feel I'm, like for both of us, but. I'm going to be talking about. I'm going to doing work with that in 2024 because mm-hmm. I just feel like the voice is so important and even the resonance. There's this person that I'm talking to, and I heard his voice. So there's a few men. Just to be clear. Just to be clear. (laughs) Don't get all excited. (laughs) And one of them has like the best voice ever. And Uh it is such an important thing to have resonance with someone's voice. Yes. It's like that can be such a turn on or turn off. Completely. And there's so much to it. But I really want to talk about that in 2024 because it's so much about you becoming more embodied. And I think your journey with it, too, has been obvious. Like you being more in your body, you being more yourself now, rather than before it was like scratchy. You couldn't totally speak literally you couldn't literally speak. couldn't speak Lindsay at the beginning of the podcast her voice was gone half of the time <laughs> we would have to cancel we'd have recording. to cancel recording like, yeah it was really really bad but I even am experiencing now in this like interesting motherhood transition where first of all your brain is definitely going through changes so I don't feel as quick mm-hmm. but like my I don't think my voice has changed but I'm having to concentrate more on my speech so I'm I probably sound different especially to like my husband who's like 
staring at me like, come on, you got this. Get it out. Get it out. Land the plane. But I feel like the voice, our voice, is like a, not a temperature checker. What's the thing That's where a good one. You know, it's like uh-huh. to, to take the temperature of like internally what's going like on. Thermometer almost. Yeah. something. I agree though, word. because I was even thinking about it when I was with my family last week yeah. with my sister and we're going through a lot with our family. And just, it was funny because the lawyer for my dad's care called and you answered the phone and she was like, hi. And you immediately change your voice and like kind of change who you are. And people do that all the time, even with like dating or anything. Your voice can be such an indicator of what's going on internally. For sure. Of if you're comfortable, if you're not comfortable, if you're inauthentic, if you're authentic. Mm -hmm. And it can be if you really tune into like people you love's voice, you can see when it changes. Yes. And also, too, you can see when people sort of become a younger version of themselves. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when you're in relationship, you're like, oh, that's your inner child that's activated right now. That's your younger self. That's your wounded self. You can see not only in their energy, but in their voice shifting that it's not even really them anymore. And it's like a wounded part of them that's activated. Yeah, I think that's your niche. Yeah, this is my niche. No, I'm serious. It really is. Yeah. Okay, 2024. Uh, I just want to... Buy anyway. my course. <laughs> Everybody buy my voice course. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. No, but I'm going to talk about it. Also, because yeah. I think it's like the voice is how we get what we want from life. Mm-hmm. Whether it's in a relationship, you being able to speak your needs, you being able to be honest, you being able to be truthful, whether it's your work, asking for a raise, asking for what you want, mm-hmm. like in the world. And it's not just like you saying whatever the fuck's on your mind. It's like you actually saying the deepest part of you, the truth of you. Yes. And in this life, energy doesn't lie, but also like how can you culminate that energy into a space where you're actually taking action on what you want through the voice. Yeah. And too, I've had my own journey. You've had your own journey. Like I felt I've censored myself yes. for so long. Like I felt like I didn't have a voice for most of my life being younger. And so to feel like I have one now, but it's still not fully there, just feels so liberating. And nothing feels better than the high of like being not only like in your voice, but also being able to speak your truth clearly. Yes. And in a way that is like super, super centered. Like I I can feel in those moments like it's like flow. It's like creative flow almost. But it's coming through the voice. Yes. And I like wish that for people. Sometimes when you talk to someone, maybe they're a little nervous or whatever. And you just you almost want to hold that space for them or anchor them. So I try to do that for myself because I do have that lately where my brain is not as fast. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, like just how would I hold space for someone who is having like this type of moment and kind of try to anchor that for myself? And it's usually just and you do this sometimes where it's like you close your eyes and you're just like. Okay. I want to say. Yes. <laughs> How do I feel? All good. We don't have to rush. Yes. We don't have to overcompensate in this moment. We can just take a beat. I but. learned that from a coach that we worked with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, where, mm-hmm. and I do that a lot now, especially when I'm meeting new people. They'll ask a question and I'll have to like close my eyes and I'm like, what do I want to say? Yeah. Because oftentimes I can get so caught up in the energy current of the conversation where I'm like reading them and I'm like, and there's a part of me that's like, what do they want me to say? And I have to like mindfully now pull back and be like, okay, what do I actually believe? What do I actually think is true? And closing the eyes is helpful because like when you have your eyes open, you're reading someone and you are like looking at them, you're like, do they like this? Totally. Like, does someone like what I'm going to yes. say? And so to find your truth, it's like stopping the flow of conversation to come back to like what actually feels true for you and taking a beat and taking a pause. And it's actually, I remember when our coach would do that, it's actually so magnetic. 
if you see someone, you ask them a question and they're like, I'm going to take a second. Then you're like, what the fuck's this person going to say? Mm -hmm. This is going to be good. This is going to be interesting. And it's also more, it feels like it's more thoughtful. Like yes. it's more like true, less reactive yes. to what the person's saying. Yep. It's more like, okay, let me actually. Because I would this. also, people would be talking and they'd say crazy shit. And I'm like, yeah, totally. And I'm I like, know. what are you? And I'd leave and be like, what did you just talk, say? Because then the back and forth is very surface. Yes. Or very just. And I'm not being myself. Energy. I'm just yeah. being like, oh, whatever. Yeah. We were in a situation recently with someone's partner. And he was a guy that was like very interesting and talking a lot about women. He like follows tons of women on Instagram, like follows like a bunch of their broadcast channels where women like post sexy pics, which I didn't oh. know like broadcast channels were sexy. Oh, I did not know that at all. I didn't know that at all. It's kind of genius. Kind of genius, but you're also not getting paid for it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only Maybe fans. it's like a feeder into OnlyFans. Yeah. I don't know. And he was talking, he just was literally talking about women for like 30 minutes to a group of women, just like de not degradingly, but like objectifying them. Yeah. Me, a previous version would be like cool girl vibes and be like, yeah, totally like mm -hmm. whatever. And now I'm just like, interesting. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is this is interesting. Yeah. Like pulling back and being like, actually, I don't enjoy this conversation because you're jeopardizing like the flow of what it would normally be like for women just to be together mm -hmm. because you're the only man and talking about other women. Mm -hmm. And to be at a place where I'm no longer just like going along with whatever ever anyone's saying is like so liberating. Because then it's like to be more of the observer pulls the energy 100%. out of their whatever riff there. Yeah. Huh? My mindset was like, this isn't the type of conversation I participate in or like I'm normally yeah. a part of. So yeah. I'm just like, what? Uh-huh. Because you're like being know. a 12-year-old. Yeah, totally. Talk about hot girls like with your friends. I'm down exactly. normal. Like I, women are beautiful. That's not the issue. It was just like when a but man. An, you can tell there's an energy to it. Yes. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, so the voice stuff is something that Victoria, who I love so dearly. She's like one of my closest friends now, one of my best friends now. We actually did a voice and wealth event in London, which mm -hmm. was so powerful. Seeing her in her element was she talks a lot about wealth in like such a unique way. It's like a somatic experience of wealth through her wealth embodiment flow, which is unique to her. And at the event, it was so interesting to like work with her on voice too, because she's such a powerful voice. She's almost like a ministry. Mm -hmm. Like she's such a woman of like her faith in God. Yeah. And she weaves God into money so much that... It's like she uses her voice in such a powerful way. And the stuff that comes through in her work is so incredible. But in this episode, we talked a lot about wealth from her perspective, especially as a black woman, as a woman of color. We talked about her journey to like really being able to embody and be with wealth. We talked a lot about our friendship. We talked a lot about like dating where we're at. She got out of a huge transition, a huge breakup. And it was just such a pleasure. Renee, who's our videographer in L.A., was like, it was so fun to hear you like talk to one of your friends, mm -hmm, you know, and it's such mm -hmm. a different energy when it's just yes. like one of our friends. So this episode's going to be such a good one. I'm excited for intro to introduce her to our audience. Victoria and I are going back to London in February. We're going to be doing an immersion for wealth and the voice. I'm going to be going in on the voice for a day. She's going to be going in on wealth for a day in London in February. So that is on my website. It's Krista.com. Mm -hmm. Or you can DM me for it. It's going to be like a pretty small intimate group for that program because it's going to be like so much time with us. But I'm really excited to go back to London and like do our thing there together. London looks good on you. I know. It, it does. does look so good on it me. It does. I'm obsessed. I was such a vibe in London. So fun. It's so fun. Okay. We're having a moment. <laughs> I'm having a moment. Bring you back. I'm coming back to London. <laughs> 
One thing I did want to say about Victoria, I was, I think I was looking at someone's stories and they reposted something Victoria had shared and it was about reading more fiction. My girl, my girl reads, my girl's, dude, yeah, it's amazing. She reads these like fiction love stories. It's so nice. But what she said about it, and I'm not going to do it justice, but very high level was that like reading so much nonfiction and so much of the self-help, self-development books but buy her book when it's out is really like dissolving our creativity she's like we can create worlds through fiction we can actually enter these worlds be inspired to then create our own worlds and it's true like when i read i very rarely read fiction but when i do i'm like oh totally it's like an escape but not it almost like activates it's very interesting so i just loved that because everyone's touting like read this book self-help this that read her book but like honestly I completely agree with that like she's one of the most creative people I know and like her creativity is so powerful and I I think that is so true because when you're reading someone else's words or thoughts you're like ingesting someone else's stuff which is good but I love the concept of allowing yourself and your mind to go to like a different space and be more playful and be less rigid and be less outcome-based it's like I'm doing this for the sheer enjoyment of reading this yeah. instead of being like, I'm going to learn how to have an epic morning routine. Yeah. I'm going to learn how to be productive. It's like, no, like I deserve to feel joy and I deserve to just allow myself to move mm-hmm. my mind to move in a way. Mm-hmm. But she's so iconic. I mean, I just love I love her. Yeah, I love the way she moves. Here. It was so good to be in, Lo- in uh, Miami. We were in London together and we were in Miami together this, this past weekend and celebrating her birthday. I was like a Scorpio. It was just so much fun. So fun. Yeah. It was so good. Awesome. So she's I'm Victoria Washington on Instagram. We have our event in London in February. So DM me or go to my website. It's Krista.com for that. That's going to be wealth in the voice. It's going to be super powerful. And enjoy this one. Would love for you to share with friends. Yeah, this is like how we've grown, how we've kept our community thriving. And then we also have morning microdose. Morning microdose is our daily dose of almost 30. There was someone on the street in London that came up to me and was like, I love morning microdose. No way. Yeah, so Marielle. Yeah. Marielle and our team who does the dose. Morning Microdose is like the TikTok version of us. So almost 30 podcasts on Instagram, almost 30 podcasts on TikTok. I'm at It's Krista on Instagram. And I'm at Lindsay Simsek. Yeah, we'll see you guys on the other side. All right. Bye. Bye. Outro. I am juggling quite a bit lately. (laughs) I have a new baby, um, six months in, and uh, we are finishing our book and running a business and a marriage and a house. And um, it's just a lot, but everything is all good and just my dream, but it's a lot. But I have found that if my health routine is on point, then everything runs smoothly. And one huge piece of that routine is my supplementation. And Symbiotica has just always been a constant in my routine. Uh, If you haven't heard of Symbiotica, they're a health and wellness company that does everything with intention. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Like I know them. (laughs) Shervine has been on the podcast many times. I just have seen how passionate, how incredibly intelligent, how dedicated he is to creating products um, that are clean, plant-based, without toxic or harmful chemicals, which we need more of that in the world. Um, So let me just run you through what I'm taking. Um, I take the vitamin D3 K2. It's the liposomal form. I just squirt 12 little pumps in my mouth every single morning. I also take their B12. Um, I'm also obsessed with the liposomal vitamin C. I have these little packets 
it's whether it's winter or whatever season, it's obviously great for immunity, but it also um, is amazing because it has biotin, one of nature's most beautifying ingredients. Uh, so I've seen an improvement in my skin, hair, and nail growth as well. I do have mom brain, um, but I'm doing my best to just support my brain health in any way. So for brain health, focus and memory, I really love taking their liposomal magnesium L-threonate. Um, it's an innovative form of magnesium that is able to cross the blood brain barrier. It supports brain health, mood, immune system function, and overall well-being. It's incredible and tastes amazing. It's like this yummy vanilla cream flavor. That's the thing with uh, Symbiotica products. They taste unbelievable. So it really makes taking all of these supplements so easy, so yummy. And I actually look forward to it. So if you want to give Symbiotica a try, there is no better time right now is the time. Symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A. Use our code almost 30, 20% off site wide. So major. And then when you bundle and subscribe, which I highly recommend because you never want to run out of anything, uh, you're going to get an extra discount. So just do it up. Symbiotica.com and use the code almost 30 for 20% off site wide. Okay. This app has been with me through seasons of wanting to prevent pregnancy and also get pregnant. The app is Natural Cycles. It is a leading women's health company that they created the world's first FDA cleared birth control app. So the app's algorithm uses hormone driven changes in body temperature to let users know when they're fertile and not fertile. It is so easy y'all. Every single morning I wake up, I have the uh, thermometer on my bedside table and then I take my temperature. I input the temperature into the app and boom, there you go. Um, it is 93% effective with typical use and 98% effective with perfect use. It's pretty incredible. Um, I know a lot of people are just thinking about their birth control. Uh, a lot of people are going off hormonal birth control. This is an incredible incredible, incredible option for you. I've been using it for a couple years now. Um, and again, it is so easy. So the algorithm uses the body temperature to determine where a user is at in their cycle. The more they measure, the more data it will have. Um, and if you have an aura ring, by the way, it syncs with your aura ring and it'll take your temperature automatically. Pretty cool. You can trust Natural Cycles for the past 10 years. They have been setting the precedent for non-hormonal and non-invasive birth control without sacrificing effectiveness. They were the first to introduce a birth control app, the first to receive FDA clearance as a birth control app, and the first birth control app to integrate with that wearable device, the Aura Ring. They're the best. I'm excited for you all. Listen, as our listener, you are going to get a discount plus a free thermometer gravy. Use code almost 30 at naturalcycles.com to get 15% off an annual subscription plus a free thermometer. That's naturalcycles.com. You're going to use the code almost 30 to get 15% off an annual membership and a free thermometer. Okay. So this morning it was so much fun on my little walk. I was like listening to one of your WeFlow channels and I was literally walking. I was fucking vibing. We are in it. We're in the channel. We are in it. And then you're like, literally it gets super pumped and it's like, we're getting super hype. I'm like, it's having a hard time walking because we're like so hype in the moment. I'm so excited. And then, you're, and then you're like, I literally was almost peeing laughing. Then you're like, and we're going to rip it from the enemy's hands. And I was like, that's my girl. <laughs> <laughs> like, Yes, we're talking about the enemy. We are like fucking in it, bitch. And I was like, you've been a preacher and a woman of the word for a long time. I was like, you think you haven't, but you've been. 
in it. And it was so good to just like be in that energy and like see your work. Mm. But I've loved you for what feels like lifetimes, but a while. And it's so amazing. And I'm so grateful to have you. It just felt like such a perfect time because you're just fucking my inspiration right now for how Mm. creative and in flow and on purpose and like sparkly and juicy and like you you've been and I think that's just been like so magnetic to see and so I was like we need to get this moment and this opportunity to sit down but it's also so good for me because like we're so close but like I actually don't know a lot of your story I think that's why we've been able to get close yes because in our work it's so easy to experience somebody through their bio or how you've seen them online and I think what's so powerful about our friendship is that I never not that I've, I've listened to the podcast before, but I'm not like an avid follower of your work. And now, obviously, we're so much more merged in our lives. But it allowed me to see you through fresh eyes of just you. And you've seen me through fresh eyes, which I rarely get. And it's just so special. So I love, I love that you've experienced it on the back end of yes. so, like, this whole year together. And now I'm like, <laughs> now I see my girl doing her work. I'm yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, but and I also, too, this is how I like to approach my friendships. And I was even thinking about this. Recently, because I was talking to some other friends about how sometimes in the wellness space and sometimes in our world, you'll go to things and they're like, this is who I am and this is what I do. Mm -hmm. And I like to come like through the back. Like, I'm like, what are you working with right now? Like, who Mm -hmm. are you as a person? What is your energy like? And we met at such a special time because we were both going through our breakups. We Mm -hmm. were both going through such portals of transformation. And it's like so nice that we got to find each other in that space. And for you, you've been on such a journey. I want to talk about the breakups and kind of this year together, but seeing you now as someone that's thriving in your business that like is so creative in what you do, like I'm always so blown away at how quick you're able to bring something through to the world Mm -hmm. and how quickly people respond. You have amazing women on your team. You're doing all these things, but you were someone that you declared bankruptcy five years ago. Yeah. And you were someone that grew up in an environment in Detroit where it wasn't normal for people to have like generational wealth or have like access to wealth and now you're someone that teaches women about it what was your experience and like trajectory with money and like how you saw worth and wealth from bankruptcy to now well when I filed bankruptcy I didn't really have a relationship with money I was very much so in survival and my entrepreneurial journey didn't start because I had this fantasy or this this big vision it was I could not work under a corporate flow anymore. And I was like, I can't. Like, I would much rather get, I honestly would rather be where I was, which was sleeping on my friend's couch than working a corporate. So for me, it wasn't like a, oh, I would love to make $5,000. It was, I need to make some money. And so the beginning of my journey with everything was just out of that need and that survival. I didn't have any sort of compass or reference point of, you know, stewardship or relationship with money, responsibility, worth. I didn't even know that worth and money had anything to do with each other until I was sitting on the bench after I filed bankruptcy. And I felt this moment where God was showing me all the ways that I didn't value myself and all the shame was building up inside of me. And it was this combination of many moments where I dropped the ball on myself and I just did not value who I was my life. I didn't quite, I missed the mark. That's what it felt like. And I prayed into that moment and said, if you show me what this is, I'm willing to see everything. Show me everything. I will turn this into something that matters. And that's what it was. It was this whole revelation of, wow, money is actually a spiritual relationship. It is 
direct contact with your creator's resources. That requires respect. That requires deliverance. That requires you to really understand your character and your worth and who you are. And I just looked myself in the mirror and I was like, you get to figure out who you are with all of this. And that was the trajectory shift. That was the moment where everything changed. And I can't quite explain why I heard that or how I heard that or why I was chosen to do that. But then I later found that I wasn't just doing it for me. It was for my bloodline. And it was for something so much bigger. I have goosebumps than than I could have even perceived on that bench. And I needed it to be bigger than me for me to move at the velocity that I did. Yeah, with the and all the ways in which how was God showing you where you were kind of skimping on your worth or you weren't standing in like the person that you were meant to be? Like, what did that look like? I saw a damsel in distress. I saw where I expected either a partner or money to save me. And money was very much so a method. Literally of... me now today. <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally me in my journal. <laughs> like, where's my man? No, we talk about it all the time. <laughs> no. But it, it was, it was this feeling of money is going to save me. Money is a method of safety. Money is a method. It is, it, it owes me something is the energy that I had with it. And even I remember mm. having memories in Chicago where I would swipe my card and just not sure what's going to happen at the register. And this whole feeling would come over my body. And that became addicting of just living on that edge of not quite knowing what was happening and then living in this rebellious state of, well, I don't need it anyways. Forget about it. It messed up my family. Nobody that looks like me has access to it. So freak, like forget about it. And I just had this very rebellious, damsel in distress, messy, avoidant relationship with it. And when I got unengaged, that was when it really started to reveal itself because I didn't realize how much I slid all that under the rug being with a man who was in a provider role and like really supporting a lot of what I was doing. Not everything, but to a point where I felt like I had something to kind of fall back on. And so exiting that relationship really was a big turning point in me seeing and taking responsibility for myself and how I was with money. Yeah. The point of the owes me something is so fascinating with money because I was thinking about this recently with the relationship we have with our body because mm -hmm. I was thinking about my dad who's sick and just how we don't pay attention to the body until something is wrong right. for the most part. And we believe that our body should be functioning optimally or should be functioning in the way that we think. And when it doesn't, we punish it. And when we doesn't, it, we get mad at it. And same thing with money. It's like we believe or I think people don't even want to think about it because they have so much fear around it. Yes. Or they have fear that it will go away. But when did you realize like, because I think for me and my journey of my expansion or growth and purpose, it was like, I just felt like I always needed money, but I never really developed a relationship beyond this needing money to like something that represented more? Was it mm -hmm. hitting rock bottom that showed you that there was that potential? For me, it was entrepreneurship. And when you look at the definition of entrepreneur, it's the ones who take a greater financial risk. So I do think being in a corporate environment, you're going to have a slightly different reference point of money than if you were an entrepreneur. There's just a lot more involved in your ownership around money, there's a lot more that needs to come forward in your stewardship when you're deciding to be an entrepreneur. So for me, it was really running my own business mm -hmm. and starting to see, okay, I'm the one who pays myself. I am the one who's making all these decisions. It's no longer just a check coming in or something like that. And that came with a lot 
of there's a maturing aspect to it and needing to really understand that if I'm going to run a business, and this is just my personal opinion, if I'm going to run a business, I have obviously solutions that I want to offer the world and I have to benefit from those and I want to get paid and take care of myself. But I'm really doing this for a larger collective purpose. And there's a solution, a a wrong that I want to write, as Steve Jobs says, something that I see that I want to correct or add value to. And that bigger vision is to me directly connected to the wealth identity and the development of your wealth identity. Because I've never really met anybody who has a huge vision and also isn't developing their wealth identity Mm -hmm. because you need the resource of money to steward that vision through. So the bigger my vision got, the bigger my wealth identity got, the bigger my wealth identity got, the more that I could circulate in a healthy way and money became less about me and I was no longer doing things for money, but I was doing them because God called me to do them. Mm -hmm. And that was a big turning point for me, especially in the self-development world where you're literally being taught to do all these things to become a match for money. It's like, are you doing it for the money? Or are you becoming a better person because God called you to be that for the vision? And then the money is this byproduct. That's what's the truth that I found. Wow, that's me today. <laughs> I'm like, I knew I was going to, I knew this was going to be for me. This was going to be for us to hang out and this is going to be for my truth. Okay, and I want to talk about that. But I do want to, I don't want to leave us where you were engaged. You're now not engaged. You declared bankruptcy. You're Mm -hmm. kind of in this like rock bottom moment. Mm -hmm. What was the journey to getting, and I know it wasn't overnight, but what was the journey to moving from that to more of a place where you are now? Well, I quantum leaped. No, yes, I'm kidding. <laughs> yes, quantum leaped with this quantum days, pussy. Baby. Yes, thirty days. <laughs> no, it was uh. Ooh. So, truth be told, at the end of bankruptcy, I, I didn't even focus on receiving more money because even that felt odd. I was like, I don't even know how to start. Where do I begin? But I knew that I was at this blank slate. And for the first time, things felt new and fresh and hopeful. I felt a lot of hope after bankruptcy, That's amazing. which was powerful because there was a fear being projected onto me that it was going to take a long time. It's going to be like the scarlet letter. Like I kind of ruined my chance. And that's the biggest thing when it comes to money is we've made the stakes so high. And I realized that I was basically living in a hyper vigilant state of I cannot mess anything up. I cannot mess anything up. And it doesn't work that way with entrepreneurship. So instead of trying to receive and get everything organized, I just said, I'm going to do an experiment. I'm going to for 30 days, just really focus on how I'm experiencing myself, how I'm experiencing money, how I'm experiencing my thoughts, how I'm putting my work out in the world. And I'm going to go all in on myself and just see how much I can make, how much can come from that? What's available in that if I focus less on I need to receive this and more on God, what can I give you? I'm going to give you my mind. I'm going to give you my attention. I'm going to give you my thoughts. Like I'm going to give all of it to you. And I want to merge with you and show me what true receivership is in that. And everything changed. I remember finding this Airbnb because at the time I also was getting evicted. My roommate at the time randomly sent me a text like you have to pack and leave in 30 days. And I was like, in Chicago? No, this was in California. Okay. And I was like, okay, um, long as we won't even bring that in. And then <laughs> I ended up finding this Airbnb, this angel, Sean to this day, let me stay with her. So I had this new room. It was $1,100 a month. And I was like, I didn't, I was like, we got to make at least $1,100. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> and now I'm mean. like, that's crazy to think about. 
And so those 30 days just changed everything because it showed me just how much I was checked out and avoidant. It showed me, I really asked the question, who would I become if I just gave this my effort, if I gave this my attention? And it, it worked. I had clients starting to come in. It wasn't this huge amount, but it was enough to show me who, like, what I'm really made of and what can happen when I dial in my attention and I stop being so distracted. Because what people don't realize is unconsciously, a lot of us have a fear of becoming rich. It's actually a real phobia, plutophobia a fear of wealthy people or a fear of becoming rich. And for me, I had the fear of becoming rich because then that might mean I look like the oppressor and I didn't want that. So I would put forth effort, but not enough to actually do anything or move the needle. And so this month really showed me how much physical vitality I wasn't really tapping into, how much intelligence, how much vision I wasn't tapping into. And that ended up skyrocketing my vision and what I could see and how I was perceiving myself. Then flash forward 12 months later, we crossed six figures. It was exactly like $100,000 a year. And I was like, this is wild. And then we did six, multiple six figures the next year. And then it went to seven figures. So it went from 300000 to a seven-figure year. And Wealth Embodiment Flow, House of We, all of that was built in between them. But that was all in like a three-year span. Wow. What would you say the relationship? Because in that it's like, I think about the relationship with God. And sometimes when we can hit the moments where it's like my marriage ended, I'm being kicked out. I'm at rock bottom mm -hmm. in a way. And some people are like, where is God? Like yeah. when it doesn't feel like it's going our way, mm -hmm. I call it people see God as like a celestial butler where they think that God just answers all their prayers. Yeah. How did you maintain that relationship or, or what made you even deepen that relationship when you felt so, when you kind of felt so lost? I remembered that sometimes God doesn't show us abundance through a blessing. God shows us abundance through adversity because there's transmutation, there's a teaching, there's a sculpting of I don't want you to just remember me. I want you to never forget who I am. And in order for that to happen, I have to sometimes strip you of everything you think you know so that you seek one thing, and that's me. And that's what I felt. It was a point of submission, and it was a point of merging that often will not happen until we're at our weakest point. And I realized that God actually uses our weakness. God can use my scraps. I remember deeply feeling that God was using the bankruptcy, was using the unengagement. And today I could cry because I'm like, you just used it so good. You were so creative with it and it just felt it felt so holy like there's those moments where it's and you've had them too where everything's so stretched beyond what you think you can even handle mm -hmm. that it just becomes holy mm -hmm. it becomes so silent mm -hmm. and that's where I was and in, the, in those moments you're isolated and you have to remember that just because you're isolated doesn't mean that you're left behind that God's moving you and evolving you and nobody's meant to see it right now it's just you and God and I just submitted to that moment as much as I could. And I kept waking up and saying, if I woke up, then God's not done yet. And that's just the truth. That's all I know to be true. Whoa. God's not done. God's, God's not, not done. We break out in worship. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> God's not done. I listen to Brandon Lake every day. That's what I did. Yeah, literally, Brandon, like, you got me through I, it. You keep dropping lyrics. <laughs> and I realized he's my firm foundation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The rock in which I stand. Yeah, literally. <laughs>
I won't be going under. And I realized gratitude. When you said no one's meant to see it right now, I feel like there's a lot of women that are listening that might be in that phase of that loneliness, of that stripping, of that point where only they can sort of see or understand that they're here for bigger Mm -hmm. and that they're meant for more and that they're at that lonely kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. What would you say to them about that process? If you can make it through that chapter, it will change everything. And that's our biggest fear is that we're going to be left behind at the core of everyone's fear, specifically as it relates to money, is that number one, we don't belong or number two, we're not actually lovable. We'll be left behind. So being lonely or experiencing loneliness is one of the greatest training grounds for becoming a steward and a big energy of love. And when you can make it through that chapter of excavation, like we were talking about in the kitchen, there's this edge about you. It's like, I've been lonely. I've been by myself. I've been in the cave. I've seen what it's like to not be able to touch my, like to touch anybody and to feel connected. I know what that's like and I'm still standing. So you can leave or go, but here's who I am. Mm -hmm. Like that's the, that's what you get to look forward to. Mm -hmm. So I look at it as training and I look at it as you really, you know, not to be, you've heard this before, you're not alone, but it's okay sometimes to be in an isolated state it's necessary sometimes and it's often bumping up against one of your greatest fears mm-hmm. so look at it mm-hmm. yeah i've realized that in the past couple years like even with my this past year and my dad's illness and just everything that's been going on in my personal life i have such awe mm-hmm. and reverence where i'm like yo i've never felt more like an alien where i'm like this is what my human life is doing Literally. i'm like whoa like and now I'm going to learn this and now I'm going to go through this and now I'm going to experience this. And I mean, I have so much to say about how suffering has made me so much better of a person. Yeah. Like this is the thing. In almost all things, there's conscious awareness. If we bring conscious awareness to suffering, it is a beautiful thing. If mm-hmm. we are unconscious in our suffering, it is our greatest demise. But like bringing just awareness and beauty to the suffering that we can do and the loneliness that we can feel. And for me, When I did the darkness retreat, it was like the darkness was my biggest fear. Being alone was a big fear for me Mm -hmm. and being alone with my thoughts. Yeah, that's what we're really afraid of. I mean, they're crazy. That's (laughs) what the the man who runs the darkness retreat, he says most women feel like they're going to go insane. Yes. That's the number one thing. Women feel like they're going to go insane. I literally said to him, I'm like, I think I'm going to scratch my eyes out. Is that normal? (laughs) And he's like, sure. It's like. Well, yes. Yeah, he's like, if you, sure. And I was just, you what did that gonna... feel like for you as a sensation? I'm curious. Scratching my eyes out? Like that the, that feeling of, I think I'm going to scratch my eyes out. Was it like so a I had it before I went in. I thought I was going to scratch my eyes. I, I, it's like this. Oh, that's a great question. What is the feeling that I have of thinking that I'm going to be alone or I'm going to be like almost like, it's the feeling of feeling constricted, of feeling trapped of feeling contained mm-hmm. that I hate. I don't like, I like to feel free and expansive. So it's like, then you feel like you're going to go crazy. It's almost like an animal. That's what scarcity felt like for me. And I felt like I could literally rip it off me. Like if I could claw out of it, I would. Yeah, that also was interesting when I was doing one of your the embodiment flows today. Just like it, it was so like, it was that. It was like ripping off a shedding of a skin or mm-hmm. a coat or an energy. Can you explain more to that for people that are listening? Like how could we sort of see these thoughts, beliefs, ideas as things that like we're feeling somatically and energetically on our body? Well, for me, when I was going into 
a more intentional relationship with money. That's when money mindset was really very, very popular. It was starting to pick up in, in its regular programming. And so I was doing all the affirmations and doing all the subconscious reprogramming, which feels really productive for a perfectionist. It's like, oh, I reframed this. I replaced this word here. I say this. I repeat this at this time. And none of it was really working. Like it was working, but it wasn't working. I could still feel it. I could still feel myself kind of crawling in the sensation of lack or the sensation of scarcity. And I remember thinking if I could just quite literally rip it off of me, it it felt like it was in my spine. It was like in me, in my body. So I slammed my laptop shut. I got up and that's exactly what I started doing. I just started to like rip the scarcity off and I was moving with it for the first time, moving with it versus staying stuck with it. And I started to get flashes of visions behind my eyes as I was moving. And I started to see my grandmother's hands. I started to see chains. I started to see all like dirt in my hands in the dirt, all these different visions as I'm moving. And then this roar came out. I just, I was like, just screaming. And it dawned on me that it, that this isn't just mine, that this scarcity is actually a teacher. There, there's something trying to get my attention here. Mm-hmm. And I'm so afraid of looking at it. I'm so afraid that it's going to put me in a bad place or take me out. But in fact, it was a correction. It was God saying, look at this. And that's when I realized it was my bloodline. I was, and my dad, I remember at the time, this was in 2020, beginning of 2020, end of 2019, he said to me, well, you're doing this, you're going to do all this work, you're doing all this stuff, and you're starting to see some of the disadvantages, some of the pain, some of the things. He's like, don't be so angry that you can't lead. And I realized that my scarcity was a lot of pent-up anger, a lot of resentment towards money, towards people, turned towards things. And it ended up being one of my greatest teachers. And I realized in that moment that if I cannot respect my scarcity, then I will never respect my wealth. If I cannot expand my responsibility for this scarcity, then I will never expand my responsibility for that wealth. If I don't devote my time and my prayer into this scarcity, then it will never translate to that other side of me that's trying to come through. And so after that, I never try to reframe my scarcity. I say, I I believe you and I believe my body. And what do you need to do? What do you need to move? What do you need to breathe through? What do you need to shake through? What do you need to feel? If you can feel it all, then you can have all that's on the other side of it. And that's where Wealth Embodiment Flow was born. So I I believe we're the only practice that does not confuse our scarcity as a bad thing, but instead it is one of the greatest, greatest teachers and calls forward into your integrity and your depth. Mm. Yeah, I'm so grateful that you brought that through because I feel like that's like one of the reasons why I love internal family systems and one of the reasons why I'm just so grateful for the work and the way it's sort of moving today where it's like, we aren't just trying to outmind scarcity. Yes. I have this belief I'm scarce. I'm going to I'm gonna sit down and I'm going to be like, I am abundant. I am abundant. <laughs> yeah, no. I am abundant. Scarcity is not me. And then you're just like, you're denying the truth of how you feel and you're denying aspects of yourself. And even in I was sitting this weekend and my guides were like, no more visualization of the future. They're like, mm-hmm. no more. They're like your your future. You're you're just always in your future. You're always living in this place, and you're never here. Preach. Never here. They're like, I accept and love this table. I accept and love my body mm-hmm. right now. I accept and love how I look right now. I said I love my home. And then there's the stories. Oh, this doesn't feel perfect. Mm-hmm. I wish this was different. You know, because and all the stories are created because I'm comparing them to the future. 
I'm looking at my home in Malibu in my future vision <laughs> and I'm comparing my space to where it is now. And it's like, we're never just obviously be here now, but it's, there's so much of the work in the spiritual community or in the personal development community that really keeps us from truly being with what is yep. and loving what is and accepting what is. And I really love that of like what our scarcity can teach us and what it's really here to show us. Oh, y'all, I am wearing my shorts and my skirts and my dresses and my legs are out and I'm just so excited about it because I have my Osea Andaria Algae Body Oil and it is keeping me glowing. <laughs> it's making my legs and my arms look just so fresh so alive, to be honest, and so young. Um, I love this product. It is from Osea Malibu. They just know what they're doing over there. They've been doing it for over 28 years. Skincare is their jam. It's clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and is clinically proven, okay? It's infused with seaweed, which is the star of the show here, and I just love the products. They really work. So the body oil is so rich, but it's never greasy, Okay, and it's clinically proven to improve skin elasticity immediately. It's visibly firming your skin and makes the skin feel more sculpted and toned, which we love. It's so amazing. Overnight, you can do this during the day or overnight. I do it overnight, but I love the Andaria Algae Body Butter because I would just wake up so insanely moisturized. It's indulgent and it's really great for crepey skin. I'll put it on my knees and my elbows and anywhere that's like kind of dry. It's clinically proven to hydrate for 72 hours. It just transforms the skin. You're going to be obsessed. And then finally, the anti aging body balm. Yo. I mean, hello, silky lotion serum. It just melts into my skin. I feel like it lifts and tightens and tones all over. I'm obsessed. Perfect for summer, baby. So glow from the inside out with clean vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code A30POD at oseamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order. They're so good about that. And free shipping on orders over $60. Head to oseamalibu.com and use the code A30POD, A30POD for 10% off. Okay, I need to introduce you to a revolutionary new app, um, Superhuman. I have been doing these superhuman activations every single morning for the last three weeks. Let me just tell you, I kind of fell off of my game after I had the baby. Most of my time and energy was going to him, it still is, but I have been able to carve out time in the morning before I get into the swing with him. And I've been doing these activations. I do a lot of the shorter ones because I don't have a ton of time. But let me just say, this is new. Like, this is a new type of audio that um, are super energizing and really specifically designed to transform you into your future self. So I know a lot of us want to manifest things. I know a lot of us are thinking about planning for the future, um, but a lot of us feel stuck. And so I've just felt like this has unstuck me in just the most beautiful way. So I've been doing a lot of their pep talks. I've been doing some of their writing activations. Uh, this morning I did the three morning questions. It was a seven minute, really vibey writing activation that I love. So I had my journal out. Um, yesterday I did a pep talk, uh, about tackling procrastination. There's a part of me that procrastinates quite a bit. So I'm just, 
I love this. I love this. There's going to be an activation for you for this moment, for this day. Uh, it's incredibly supportive. So we actually interviewed Mimi Bouchard, the founder, not too long ago. Check out that interview. Uh, and we have a sample of one of the activations on our feed. So you can check that out as well. It's way easier to implement into your routine and far more effective than any other audio app out there. I've just noticed that I'm doing it much more consistently. So please don't miss out on this crazy deal. They rarely do discounts. On top of the 14-day free trial, get over 60% off your subscription for a limited time only at activation.com slash almost 30. Literally, there is no risk. If you change your mind and forget to cancel after the trial, you're covered by their money back guarantee. The offer is only available through their website, not on the app store. So that's activations.com slash almost 30 for 60% off. It expires soon. And so scarcity for you, you mentioned like you had to really accept and love that. So then how would someone sort of see that if there's someone that's thinking right now, like I have scarcity with money, I feel like there is never enough. I feel like I don't have access to it. I feel like, yeah, I just don't, I just mm -hmm. don't really have it. Mm -hmm. How would you help them to see that as something that's beautiful if they want to in their mind change it? Well, first, we wouldn't look at it as necessarily beautiful, but we would start to ask the question, money, what is it like to be in relationship with me? Because regardless of anything externally that's happening, we can first take responsibility and acknowledge what's happening internally. What is it like to be in relationship with me? And you ask money that. I always have all my students, my clients ask that for at least 24 hours. Because what I found is that the relationship with money that you have is mirroring how you feel about yourself. And if I can't address that, then nothing else is going to solve that. We have to get out of the thought that the money is going to solve the problem. You are the abundance that money needs to become valuable. Regardless, I get the systems that we're in. I'm a biracial black woman. I get the system. And there's a moment where it's like this relentless, primal, deep fortitude of God didn't show me what God showed me to let that be the truth and the statistic that I'm living in. So I'm going to understand and do the work that I need to do to develop my character, to develop my wealth identity, to expand my realm of responsibility and be very crystal clear that I am the abundance that money is waiting for. And any scarcity that comes up, it's for me to address and respectfully look at, not as something that's wrong with me that I need to fix, but as a beautiful call forward into who I get to be. So for me, my scarcity was mirroring and telling me that in my relationship with money, it felt like it was living in a jail. And I had to be honest with myself. That's how I felt about myself. That's mm -hmm. how I felt about my relationships. I had a very graspy hoarding energy when it came to money. And then that brought forth shame, which turned into a spending pattern. And I cycled through that. There's a lot in there that we can unpack and really see how we're not living in full integrity or how we can allow scarcity to point out the parts of us that are actually aching to belong and aching to be developed. And then we're approaching it from this completely different lens, not from I need to become more magnetic to get attractive enough for money or mm -hmm. I need to do these things because that's such a, a rat race. It's God, develop my character. Make me so I'm ready. Prepare me. Mm -hmm. I'm your steward. I'm your vehicle. So the prayer changes. And I can't describe it. It's just a holier exchange 
if you can give that a chance, the things that come alive within you are very different. I've seen it in so many different ways. It gives you back your mind. It gives you back your power. It gives you back your body, mm. which is everything. Mm. It's your domain. Yeah. What would you say the relationship between money and the body is? Because I think for a lot mm -hmm. of people, they're so in the mind with money. Money feels like something that gets them somewhere. How do you connect money in our bodies. The only reason why I know that to be true is from what happened in my living room that one time when I was putting down the journal, putting down all the budgeting and the mind work. Mm. And I started to see just how much my body actually had to say about my relationship with money. And that's when I realized that anybody can make money, but not everybody's going to feel prosperous while they do it. And the difference is your body. So our body's intelligence actually leads us to our financial intelligence in so many different ways. And this work, I'm so passionate about bringing it to boardrooms and bringing it to investment conversations because I've had many women inside the house of we, women of color, women of all walks of life who are starting an investment portfolio or starting to move big money around. And guess what? That person on the other side of the table has no idea they're having heart palpitations. They're getting sweaty in their palms. Their whole body's having this reaction, which is impacting how they're thinking about this person in front of them, how they're going to avoid the emails that they're going to send them later. I went through it myself as I was expanding my own finances. It's just so obvious that people are not trained to really look at money through this holistic lens. So I always say that cash is an object, but money is a relationship that's felt through the body and the wealth identity is what's developed from that relationship. So when we can get the body to be in a grounded state and embodied in the wealth identity, the thoughts that you think, how you perceive these financial conversations changes. It's incredible and profound and so miraculous. For people listening that are, because you know us, sisters in Christ. <laughs> we love our God. We our do. God is an awesome God. I was about to say that. Our God. That aren't, that maybe even have like a, ooh, when they hear God. Mm -hmm. What would you say to them? I wouldn't say anything. That's so true. I just wouldn't. Yeah, let it, just so let, it, let it be. So true. What could I say? You so know, true. I just can be in my experience, in my revelation. <laughs> Believe and, in him. Like, I can't. I <laughs> really don't. And I mean that so much. I really do. Because it's if you feel it, good. Let it, yeah. Whatever feeling you're getting, let it come. And if you're still listening, I feel so grateful because that means that there's something that you're trusting. And that's all that I can pray for. But there's no right or wrong, or that's a bad sensation. You shouldn't feel that. It's you. God's got you. That's not my job. Like mm -hmm. God's got you. I believe that. And I believe that everybody will come to their own understanding and the way that they're meant to. And that's the beautiful testimony of this work is at the end, then nobody can take it away from you because you became it. You moved through it. I didn't give it to you. You didn't give it to them. It's just everybody's standing in their truth and their clarity of that truth. And then you trust that those who are meant to hear it will hear it mm -hmm. in whatever way they're meant to hear it in that moment. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it will be triggering. And I'm really okay with that. Yeah. What's been your journey with that? Because I mean, even for someone listening, whether it's, you know, you speaking on your relationship with God or someone else's them talking about whatever it is that they feel like they're completely called to or wanting to express from their authentic truth, like what's been your journey with becoming empowered in that truth that you have and sharing it? Well, I realized that the people who are often most meant to see our light are the people who are going to be triggered by it. And we have this fantasy that the people who are meant to see our light are the ones who are going to agree with it. 
And it's very often the opposite. That's so true. And Yeshua taught that. He taught that your light is like a lamp. Don't hide it. I'm going to put it in the rooms that need to see it. And you don't have any control over that. So I just realized really early on that I have a very convicting energy, a very certain energy. Mm -hmm. And that certainty brushes up against people sometimes and has them start to question and look at their behaviors. But as long as I'm rooted in love and I know that I'm on assignment, I'm good. I know why I'm here. I know what God showed me. I trust God with my life. And I only spoke when I feel spoken through. I do my best to really not just say stuff to say stuff. And as long as I can stay in tune with that, I'm not always perfect with it, but as long as I can stay focused on that, I can trust that even if somebody's triggered, it doesn't mean anything personal about me necessarily. It's, it's the experience of the certainty and the conviction that maybe they haven't developed in themselves yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel yeah, I feel like you're so powerful in that when you you really only speak when moved and you can even see like in situations where I've been with you where it's kind of like people wanting you to speak and kind of wanting you to bring something through and you only bringing it through when it feels super hot or it feels super relevant and that means everyone listens when mm -hmm. you talk. You know what I mean? That means everyone's literally tuned into what you're saying because you're not just like I can't. Just yapping and yapping. And <laughs> you can say a whole bunch of stuff, but like there's a difference between saying something and using your voice, I realize. There's a big, big difference. And there's such a responsibility, you know, with your platform and just having a voice, there's such a responsibility with it. And I've been in positions where, you know, I've said something because I wanted to make the other person okay or make them comfortable. And I always leave feeling empty or off and it's just not worth it anymore. Totally. Yeah. It's interesting. I was reading this book by a guest that's coming on this week and in it, she's a therapist and she's talking a lot about her therapy sessions. And in it, she has stories of therapy sessions where people come in and she talks about how she has this experience when some people are talking where she can't really connect to them mm. or she kind of like will tap out or like tune out. And she's like, this is like a normal part of being a therapist, but it's really when people are almost like fronting and like being an authentic yeah. or not being truthful. It's like kind of like the the not self is speaking or like the in. And it's so insane because all of that kind of experience is unseen. It's mm -hmm. spiritual. It's energetic. It's not something you could really understand, but everyone knows that experience when they see someone, tons of people are talking on a panel. Everyone, they're kind of like just thinking about lunch. One person talks and everyone's like, what the fuck's up with this person? You know what I mean? What is that one person saying? Or you can be in a boardroom or you can be whatever, where you're actually listening to someone because they're in their authenticity and their truth. Mm -hmm. And they're actually saying something that like feels relevant and resonant. And mm -hmm. it's like, it's something that needs to be studied because it, yeah, it's just such an insane it's a phenomenon. It's a phenomenon. And I feel like in 2024, having your voice dialed will be one of the greatest assets you own, especially with AI, especially with this digital world. It's going to be rare to have a voice that actually makes you feel. So it's just something to really think about, especially if you're an entrepreneur, if you use your voice at all. If in any way, the ones who can communicate clearly and really speak from the body, from the heart, from belief. I feel it's going to be huge in this coming year. Huge. A huge. Yeah, I think that was kind of what I was working with my coach on was like talking about like working on people with their authentic voice mm -hmm. because it's... You're so good with that. Yeah, it's like it, because it's your relationship with your body because you're allowing the resonance and vibration to like reach 
from your root to your crown, like, and be processed through each of the chakras. It's like, it's, it's psychic attunement to the situation, to other people, but it's also to like your truth. It's, mm-hmm. and people's voices have a, a resonance or vibration. Like some people, I can't fucking, who are, they're not for me. It's not my journey or story mm-hmm. to like listen to them because of the certain tone or frequency of their voice feels off or inauthentic to me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, I think that's a really beautiful thing. And I think for women, especially, I know for me in the beginning of my process with the podcast, I'd lived in Chicago. I'm from the Midwest, from Ohio. So my voice was totally different. Yep. I had a fear of being deep. Yeah, I had a fear of being low. I had a fear of being clear. I had a fear of being all these things. And it's like, I think one of the most powerful things for women to be fully in their fucking embodied. Yes voice of truth and there's nothing more gorgeous and stunning and satisfying to witness than a woman who's just speaking with full body truth and full full expression full belief and there's also nothing more painful than watching a woman who's not doing that and seeing that there's something else there that could be tapped into and i always say that to speak is to bleed out loud it's our most vulnerable portal right here from our mouth our jaw to our throats there's so much trauma that can be there there's so much sensation i even think for myself like i bite my cheeks a lot that's how i know if i'm stressed or anxious my mouth will move i'll bite my cheeks or i'll be like in an overthinking state pay attention to what your mouth does when you're in a checked out state because it'll reveal where you're at in terms of your voice and feeling grounded and feeling embodied just from my own personal experience. And I think for a lot of people, it's the one area that they either assume they're not good at, or if they are good at it, they don't actually spend the time developing it. And that's what I mean by 2024. If you feel like you have a voice within you, go all in on it. Get in a room that's going to support you in training it, understanding it, because our bodies and our voices are speaking so loudly all the time. And to be attuned to that instrument is to be in direct connection with God, 100%. Yeah. And I love, I love that we're talking about this because it's so much, it's not about what you're saying almost at all. It's not. It's not. And that's what I think has been the missed opportunity within the conversation on people speaking their truth or having, yeah, even speaking their truth. It's not about you telling a story. It's about the resonance and the frequency of what's being brought through and Mm -hmm. the truth and the comfort and ease in your body and like how you're a channel for something bigger than you during the experience. And that's what's been honestly interesting for me because before in my earlier in my journey, it was like, okay, I got to speak my truth. And then I'm like, should I tell him about, you know, what happened with Princess Diana for real? You know, I thought I had to like tell people about conspiracy theories or like tell people about like shit that I knew or had to like educate people on things. And it's like, no, it's not even about that. It's about being so much in your truth that like people can feel the resonance and the safety. Yes. Because if someone's in their truth, then they feel safety from your voice. Yes. Then think about a yoga class. There's nothing better than a yoga class that you can fully lean into the voice of the instructor And then, you know, those yoga classes where it's like this movement is great, but the voice, I can't trust this voice. There's something that I can't lean into. (laughs) And we've all been there. I want to say I'm a yoga teacher before everything. I was a yoga teacher and that was the biggest training ground for me is my voice basically was a symphony for this whole experience. And you there's nothing more satisfying, like I said, than being in a room 
and knowing like that voice knows where it's taking me. It knows the direction that things are going. I can fully relax now and trust this process versus the voice is very exposing. That's why people are so afraid to speak because the voice exposes everything. Yeah. Yeah. It exposes where you are in your body, how truthful you're being. Like, yeah, it is so much. And it's hard for me to listen to other people speaking or even music, you know, like it's just like, yeah someone's frequency is really hard to get to know or feel safe with. And I think I'm always like hyper vigilant about, okay, what are they saying? What's like being so to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. And even in a yoga class, as in the example, to feel comfortable enough to not even think about the voice. Yes. But just be in it. That's the greatest compliment. Yeah. I think. To not even know the teacher's there. To not even know the teacher's there and just be quite literally riding on the frequency, the resonance that their voice is projecting out. And to trust that that voice is connected to a body that's grounded on this earth and knows where it's going. It's big work. And that's why I feel I'm glad we're talking about this because all anybody listening, you know, if you have that within you, you know, even if your voice doesn't sound how you think it should right now, you know, if you have that within you and there's this preconceived notion that to have a powerful voice, it needs to be like bold and sharp and clear. But actually, and Brene Brown talks about this, the most vulnerable state is joy and excitement. So a voice that can express that and can express this optimism and this enthusiasm is actually, it's more vulnerable to speak in that frequency than it is, you know, some of the deeper, Mm. more grounded energies. Mm. So it doesn't necessarily matter what you think you need to say it's there's a volume in you that you know if you have it you have it and you have to use it in this life yeah and i think you touched on this too and i just want to expand upon it it's also recognizing and knowing that it's not always inherent or taught yeah it's like cultivated yes like just like your relationship with god or source or goddess whatever you want to call it we we use god it's like you cultivate that. Yes. You cultivate your your depth. You cultivate a relationship with your nervous system where you can be in your body and you mm-hmm. feel safe. Like it isn't something that I don't think a lot of us are born with naturally to be able to like speak a certain way, say a certain thing, have the frequency come through, feel yeah. confident about what we're saying or how we're saying it or how we're feeling. It truly has been cultivated over time. You know, I've always been someone that because I'm such a listener and a question asker, and I usually focus on others over myself, I've always been someone that when I do speak, people listen. And that was something I always noticed, but I didn't always have like the depth of the way I speak or the clarity of what I speak. But talking on a podcast for six years, you really figure out your flow, when to stop, when to pause, when to do. It's like, it's a job. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes you good at it is like the practice, the consistency kind of noticing, being curious, like, how does it feel if I talk slower? How does it feel if I pause? Like, how does it feel if I have this land in this way? Like, it's, it can be something that you can really have fun with as like the instrument, like you said. It is. It's like tuning an instrument. And if you don't tune the instrument, you start to sound off key, or you start to sound like other people. And that's where you have to be really mindful too, because your voice can kind of calibrate depending on what you're listening to. So if you're listening more then you're actually speaking or putting effort into how you're bringing things through. There's been many times where I, you can feel it like a lump in your throat where I'm not actually expressing out and that can feel like frustration or anger, resentment. And I think for many people who have a voice that they know is meant to be heard or known in the world, grew up probably really shy. I know I did. I was always labeled shy, even though I wasn't actually. And I was afraid of speaking. I was afraid of choking. I was like, my whole throat area has so much fear connected to it. 
So if you even look back on some of my old videos, I still have my Midwest accent. Oh my God, same. I had mine. Hey guys, like if you want to come, I'm doing a moon ceremony on this day in Chicago. I just, I can't even recognize the phone voice where you're like, they're like, hey, this is Krista. And you're like, that's not my voice. Yes. But hours of teaching yoga, hundreds of people later, and you realize like it's okay to speak like this sometime and then go down like this and then bring them up here. And then it just, it's literally like playing an instrument. It's my favorite. I literally, one of my dreams in life is to be, do voiceover in a movie. You need to, because you have that voice. It's my dream. You really have that voice. When we have to do like our trailer or recording for things that we've done where you can use the voice as like, do it bright, do it quiet, do it calm. That is like my favorite. Thing. I'm obsessed. I can, you it's know, my I favorite. already see that for you. I see you doing TV shows. You're like a host slash voiceover slash stand I would up love to future. do, I would love We're to do voiceover. Cause also you can go in wearing a sweatshirt. <laughs> yes. Wait, we that just, needs to happen in the next year. I know. I actually, I've, I want to do, and just, I love that that would be kind of anonymous. Yes. Like it's not really attached, but it's it's the frequency of your voice. So for a lot of women listening, their fear of being heard in their voice is their fear of being judged. Mm -hmm. They have a fear of people judging them. There's like the sister wound, like being just like hurt or whatever. What would you say to them so that they can feel more confident in starting to express themselves and use their voice? I would say that, Again, when you feel deep within you that there's a voice, there has to be a greater fear that that voice never gets out that becomes bigger than the fear of people judging that voice. So at this point in my career, and even as I develop my voice, I'm way more fearful that it's not my art's going to die inside of me than I am of somebody judging the art itself. And that's just it. It it, it has to flip. The fear has to flip. And like I was talking before, your voice is absolutely going to be in rooms that trigger people. And sometimes that's the position and that's the power and that's the the direction that they're meant to go. But if you need every single person to agree with you and not judge you before you can speak, that it's impossible. So I have more of a tough love approach where I'm like, get up, you're up. And you just know when that time comes and you know when it's your time and you, you feel it's your destiny, you feel it's your path and you just go for it. And that, that's what happened with me. That's what I see with my clients and my students is you try everything else until you run right into the thing that you knew was there all along. And for you just know, just know. What's an example of that? For me, of like running into a whole bunch of things. So for me, it was the voice and it, it actually was the house of we and all the things with money. It was trying to do things how I've seen everybody else do them doing the thing that made most sense based off of what I'd seen already done. Nobody was talking about the body and money. Nobody was talking about somatic work and then financial healing. I remember working with a woman who is in charge of this huge investment fund. And she's like, I've never heard this before. And she's like, this is making so much sense. I had a first generation client who was having a a whole moment of avoidance for me after our conversation with her portfolio. And I was like, yeah, her body is going through it right now has nothing to do with her head, has nothing to do with the amount of money in her bank account. It's everything to do with her body. So I tried all these different things before that moment. And then I went all in with wealth embodiment flow. I went all in with the work that I knew was true for me and my path. And then did it click right away? No, but it took me on a path of absolute resonance and absolute certainty that I don't think we get anywhere else. Thank you.
Okay. Small daily actions. Ah, they just make a big difference. And I just cannot emphasize this enough. It creates this cascade effect and honestly a snowball effect. (laughs) So one begets the next really great positive small action, but it almost has like a bigger impact as the day, as the week goes on. Um, And I'm just someone who very much believes in this, whether you're like smiling at a stranger or maybe you wake up a little bit earlier to practice your meditation or maybe read part of the book that you're loving, uh, or maybe you integrate a healthy habit, like taking a probiotic, which is something that I've been doing for a few years now. I've been taking seeds DSO one daily symbiotic and I love it. And I've just noticed that this is the catalyst at the beginning of the day for a ton of healthy choices that I make. Um, and I've noticed a difference when I don't take it. Um, I forgot on vacation a few months ago and I noticed a difference. I was bloated. I wasn't as regular. I started to get a little breakout on my chin. Things were just going haywire. Um, so I'm just so thankful for seed. If you are someone who wants to support your gut or your skin digestion, your gut barrier integrity, Oh, I recommend seed their DSO-1 daily symbiotic is incredible. What is different about seeds? So seeds patented capsule and capsule design is so unique. It basically means that the fragile bacteria within the capsule can survive the journey. So from like shipping to your door, to when you put it in your body, all the way through your GI tract, um, all without synthetic or chemical coatings. Um, And this was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome. They are the best in the space. Um, So I just, I trust them and I've experienced incredible results. So trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash almost and use the code 25almost to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash almost. The code is 25almost. One of the things that I also love about you and your work is like your creativity. And like your visioning and like your creativity is just like top. It's like unlike anything I've ever seen. Thank you. Love. The way how quickly you'll bring things through, how like it's just, yeah, your channel is just so open. And I feel like a lot of people want to, a lot of, a lot of people want the results actually, but they don't really want to go through the process of it. But they're doing what you said, where they're kind of following everyone else's blueprint, Mm -hmm. following what everyone else is doing online. They're like, okay, everyone, and I'm literally making fun of myself. They're like, everyone is neutrals. I'm neutrals. They're like doing just like what everyone else is doing and wanting kind of that result. So how do you stay tuned into your own creative visions and supportive of your own creative process Mm -hmm. rather than getting caught up in what everyone else is doing? Alone time and contemplation. So if you're creative, it is your job to spend a lot of time by yourself contemplating and listening. If that's not in your calendar, if that's not in your schedule, you're going to be off assignment. Your original assignment lives in the silence. It lives when you are on a walk listening. We as artists are getting paid to walk outside and not just see a tree, but see God or see an analogy or see something that's bigger than just the tree. That's literally what you are being paid for. So if you have a whole bunch of people accessing you, that's going to impact how many people you can reach. What accesses you impacts your reach. It impacts how your reach feels. So now in my life, 
I'm realizing that if you have access to me, you also have access to all of House of We. You have access to Krista. You have access to my mother. You have access to everybody. Anybody that I reach, come in contact with, you also have access to. So I'm very boundaried. I'm very clear. No, you cannot come in. No, I cannot go. Yes, I can. No here. Yes here. No here. Yes here. Because I nothing messes with my creative process. Nothing messes with the brains and the embodiment that is required to execute with the velocity and the clarity that I've worked really hard to do. And everybody has this capability, but it takes the discipline of those moments by yourself and being really clear about what has access to you. Your craft is inside of you. You're not like a, if you're a painter, your craft is the paintbrushes and then the vision inside of you. So we have to be protective over that and really fearlessly, relentlessly committed to making sure that everybody who's going to be close to us knows about that too. Yo, I'm about to blast it. Because I'm like, that's my biggest struggle is being, I could be better boundaried about people that have access to me. I feel like you go on phases. There's times where I experience you really boundaried. Because I will say what you guys get to know about Krista is when Krista's ready to be complete with something, whether it be a phone call, a place or a person, a thing, (laughs) she is complete. And you won't even hear the the E and the by. It just would be B-Y. And then, oh, love you. Okay, bye. That's how you are. And I love that about you because it's clean. It's like, shoop, I'm here and I'm not. I'm here and I'm not. And when I'm here, when Krista's with you, she's with you. All ears, all eyes, all heart. And when she's not, it's like I'm complete. But I do see moments where you're very social and a lot of people want to be with you. And I think that that's where it gets tricky because who doesn't want to feel that love and that desire? That's my hungry ghost is having people want to be with me, having people desire me, someone that felt neglected. So if you have that as your hungry ghost, I want people to want me. I want people to have access. You know, I feel like connected to me. And then it's like I could be a little bit. I'm so much better. And I have I'm so grateful because my people that surround me, people like you, people like Natalia, are people that I trust. So I can be porous or leaky or not perfect. Mm -hmm. It's not like I have to be like mindful about what's happening. Right. I can trust you. If you have access to me, then you have access to almost 30. That's great. I want you to have it. You know what I mean? Your energy being in that, it feels good. But it is something where I think I want to just, I'm grateful of how much I've, how far I've come, but I still want to continue to like cultivate that Mm -hmm. a little bit better and just get a little, even more discerning. I think that's the biggest thing for anybody who knows that they want to bring something important forward in the world, whether it be a book or be a voice or a project or even just you want to be the best friend you can be to everyone. It's quality. It it increases the quality of who you are and the extent to which you can influence a person, place, or thing. And I wasn't always perfect at that. I Because I have the same thing. I want to open up my phone and there's text messages and people are wanting to talk to me and like it's fun. But now I'm very selective and very few people have direct access to me. And I had this fear that that was going to create a lot of rift between me and my community. I had a fear that it was going to make me seem arrogant or not approachable. And in fact, it's created more intimacy. It's created more trust because when I'm there, I'm very intentional or try to be. And especially with my audience, I've now created spaces where they can connect with my team and everybody on my team is really brought in and it's more about the mission. It's not just me. And that doesn't feel sustainable if it's always me. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. Cause then it's like the guru thing or I refuse that. Yeah. No. You're, yeah. I was just so inspired about the creativity piece and needing to be alone and in contemplation and really allowing like your own unique essence. And of course in miracles, it says 
like creativity is adding to what is already perfect. So it's like seeing things differently, like adding to this already perfect experience. I love What's that. the relationship you see between your spirituality, God, and your faith and creativity? I love that question. Right now in this moment of my life, I feel like God is so creative. Oh my God, you're so creative. I, I know. know about me, but like you've totally. gotten very creative without you. I'm in such an era where I'm pinching myself, Krista. I'm like, this is wild mm -hmm. to me and so miraculously creative that I don't there I always say this there's a version of me who didn't even dream I would dream this dream I'm on a peak that I didn't even think I dream so at this point I don't know what how what else to trust in besides God's creativity and my imagination and my willingness to allow God to use my imagination and what I remind myself of with creativity faith and spirituality is that lukewarm energy that we can slip into and it's sneaky because when we just assume that God's within us and like, oh, God will do it or that talent will just pop off. I've done it for years. Like it'll just happen. It'll just turn on. It can put us in this lukewarm state of confidence, this lukewarm faith, lukewarm creativity. So I always try to humble myself and remember that I have free will. I have to welcome it in. So God, you are welcomed here. Your creativity is welcomed here. You have access to my imagination. It doesn't just turn on. My devotion and my worship and my praise and my obedience and my submission and my belief benefits you. I cannot forget that because then I'll just operate as autopilot. It's just going to turn on. And that humility keeps me executing bigger and bigger things and visioning bigger and being very clear that at any moment, you know, like I don't know how much time we have. So I'm going to be very clear that this isn't accidental. I get to purposefully and intentionally welcome it in. So that's my prayer usually before like a big project or a big photo shoot or whatever I'm bringing to life is I just refuse to do average or lukewarm. Just refuse it. It has to be. It has to be fire involved. It has to be fire or There's nothing. always fire involved. There's fire. Somehow we're lighting things on fire. I'm bringing, I rented doves one time. Stop. I just don't know how to not. How did they come back? They don't. So that's what I discovered on the photo shoot. So I rented 12 doves. Okay. And he came, we met. So then I also found out that doves cannot see at night so or in the dark. So I was doing like a sunrise shoot. We met him at five. He's like, we got to wait till at least a little sun comes up because they can't fly in the dark. So we've got all these doves that are waiting on me or I'm waiting on them. <laughs> <laughs> we get everything set up. And I'm like, all right, so I want to get a shot where there's three of them flying above me. He's like, oh, well, when I let them go, they fly away from the water. Like they, they go yes. straight back to their home. I'm like, where's their home? They just know where to go and they go back to my yard. No way. I'm not kidding. Okay, Krista. so they go back. Okay, so he takes care of them. He does take care of them. I was on The doves are safe. I was like, oh the man. The doves are safe. They know exactly they're going back to their fed, loving home. So he's on his one knee. It's freezing out, okay? I'm in this all white outfit. We're channeling the Holy Spirit. This is for one of the Holy S brandings. And I'm like, I need doves. The doves are the Holy Spirit. This is part of the photo shoot. So I have my arms out and I'm like, all right, let go of the dove. And he's on his knee and he's shaking with the dove in his hand. <laughs> Literally whole body shaking. And the dove goes, Shoo. and I'm like, Laura, did you get this shot? And she's like, I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> so we had 12 chances and we got one shot out of that whole photo shoot. But then I left the photo shoot and I was like, was any of that necessary? No. Was any of that required? No. 
but I had so much fun. I took it to a new edge. I learned something yes. new about myself and the art was alive. Yes. And it was great, you know? And so and your joy was felt yes. and your joy was alive. And it's just everything. That's what our creativity can bring us is into these experiences and these memories that yeah. wouldn't exist otherwise. Yes. Cause it's also like, what is how that's not creativity if you're like going to this and you're like three doves then went like this. I know. Like, and then that's you're not like, real. Exactly. That's not real. Creativity is like created in the moment, cultivated in the moment. Like, yes. yeah, I feel like it's so liberating to see you be so much in your creative channel, because I think a lot of people in our space and world have such fear around really letting their creativity rip. And yeah. I feel like most people aren't alone enough to understand and experience the texture of their own unique creativity mm -hmm. and their own unique voice and their own unique expression for things. I think the biggest thing for me in creativity is like waiting till I feel moved yep you know what Big i mean time. it's like even with our book like when you have a following people want you to write a book for a long time and it's like me and Lindsay had to wait until we were fucking like oh we are moved yes. to write this book you are moved to create this thing it's yes. like it's not just like in the mind it's not the wish it's not the like wondering it's like wait until you literally the timeline opens the chapter begins this is opening up for you this is the right time for the thing to be birth through you mic drop it's you landed it yes everything yes 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 that's the secret ingredient and most people are not listening for that timing and god is what's keeping time and you being really mindful of that it's not just you being ready but the audience being ready and Lindsay and all the other elements and when divine timing locks in doesn't it feel like it moves like the speed of light it's so fast once it locks in so that's also a measuring stick of whether it's time, quote unquote, or not, is when you're moved, it just, yeah, it happens. Like yep. you, I feel like the book writing for you has gone by so fast. So fast. Because I remember amazing. when you first told me about it, I'm still on like chapter one for me. Same. And you're like, yeah, I'm almost done. No, you've been doing so but we had good. A top, but we have a, you had the deadline yeah. though. You that's had the, the whole thing. It's Which actually helps. nice to have external factors. I would say that too. Of it. But I yours is- but you and the energy and frequency you're in now is different than you were at the beginning. And so your frequency True. is so different of what you're going to bring through with the rest of it. And yeah, you know, more to come. But yeah, it's so true. And I think that's been the biggest one of the biggest lessons for me in life is that if I'm doing things out of divine timing, it will feel like effort. It will feel like I have to strong arm it. Mm -hmm. And if I'm waiting until divine timing and guess what? Divine timing isn't bringing me a new course or program every month. Divine timing is not like, hey, bitch, here's this new thing that you're going to do. <laughs> hey, bitch. <laughs> it's like bringing you through this thing. It's like divine timing works when it works. And it mm -hmm. works when it feels like it's appropriate for my growth or expansion. And speaking of divine timing, you know, when we found each other in like the depth, the greater depth of our relationship, you were moving through... A pretty big transition out mm -hmm. of your relationship you know a breakup I was moving out of mine and it's interesting because it's funny because I didn't even realize I knew we had that and we've obviously had that through our relationship but I don't know I didn't see that as like a when you're not really trauma bonding anymore you don't see that as a draw I'm not like oh we're both no. in it sis we were also both so in deep responsibility of our individual experiences yeah and it never was this let's get together and bitch about how shitty this is yes. like it never felt like that with us Ever. it felt like a you're going through such a deep layer of grief I am too let's unpack this together mm -hmm. and hear each other and relate to each other in this really grounded way, which I needed so much. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize I needed that. Yep. And it helped me process 
so many different emotions and sensations that were very temporary, not permanently part of me, but just this temporary moment. Yeah. How was your breakup sort of created this beautiful, because you're in just like such a magnetic moment, like such just a beautiful sparkly mm-hmm. moment. Like how has that journey of your breakup, the heartbreak, the loss of what you perceived your life to be, how has that cre- helped create this moment for you? I feel when you let yourself access and experience that level of grief, and I know you know what I'm talking about, it creates a reservoir of love. And it just, it widened me. It just completely widened me and dilated me in a way that I didn't even realize was possible or that I needed. And I resisted it for the first bit. But there's this moment in grief where you just go underwater and you can't swim. You can't figure out what direction you're going in. You're just in it. And one of my favorite worship songs says, I was underwater and I was, he was swimming underwater, swimming underwater, like kind of fighting against the current. And in that moment, he realized that he wasn't swimming. God was fishing him. And that analogy showed me that there's something connected to you when you're in that water. There's something that's actually, you can't see it. There's a line that's fishing you that actually puts you in there to grab something up. And when I came back to the surface and I started to make it to what felt like a shoreline of like, okay, I can breathe now. I felt so free. I felt so clean. I can't describe it. It was like such a purifying moment because I'd never surrendered that much. And in the beginning of the breakup, I remember still waking up and feeling like it was almost a dream. I was like, did I dream this? Like, how is this happening? Those moments that you can't really explain or that, you you know, nobody's going to see, they just deepen you to so much more love. And it just was proof. It was proof that I loved so big mm-hmm. and that I could love bigger. Mm-hmm. Also, too, I think what we both also had was like, you wake up to a lot of the patterns of smallness. Yep. And unconsciousness and where I was negotiating mm-hmm. and where I was, you know, and I'm still like, being with in relationships throughout my life, whether it's the most recent one or the other ones, you know, it's just when you're with someone that much, it becomes a part of your cellular being Yep. to be how you were being. And I just was so often making myself small, making myself whatever size I needed to be to fit the room. Yep. Or am I going to be big this time? Am I going to be small? What, what do you want me to be? Mm-hmm. And that codependency and yeah, coming out of that into this like singleness has been so beautiful. And now I'm like, fuck, I love this so much. I do too. It's, it's been beautiful to watch that. It's so good. It's so good. And that's where I feel like you and I really connected is we both had a lot of same patterns, a lot of the same mm. patterns in relationship. I think we love very similarly, very deeply, very loyally. And we're very empathic and we feel for whoever we're with. And so it's almost this automatic of... I'm going to be who you need me to be. And you, I got lost in that. I got really lost in that. And that's a me That's a me thing, not necessarily him. And I had to look at a lot of the ways that I was so unwilling to lose that relationship. So I did everything against myself to keep it. And I was no longer fighting for my liberation or my freedom, but I was fighting for this thing that I thought was a source of my liberation and freedom. And that was a big wake-up call. And when you're free of it and you're away from it, you start to, because I, I would say probably six months after is when I really started to see. Once you move through like the initial shock, the initial wave of grief, the initial wave of like, okay, this is happening. This is my new life now. Then probably when we were in Hawaii is when I really started to feel like, wow, these are all the ways in which I cut down my power, cut down my voice, shrunk myself and tried to fit into this box. Mm-hmm. 
I still feel like I'm, I, I, I've had moments, but I still feel like I'm playing with the energy of it where I'm like, ooh, this is like a new outfit. It is a new outfit. It's a new body. It's like a new thing where I'm like, oh, wow. I can't believe I was that way for so long because a lot of it's psychic. Yeah. A lot of it's subconscious. A lot of it's like checking in with the person. Like, are you going to be mad at me if I'm too big? Are you going to be, oh, you yeah. know, whatever? Like, are you going to... The anticipation yeah. of what's going to happen if I do this. Of any moment, a mood changing. Just that walking on those types of eggshells for more than five years is... Oh, that's been a, my whole life, honey. What do you mean? That's in my, that's in my home... That's as true. a kid, you know, That's like because then it goes back to mm-hmm. where has this been comfortable for you your whole life? Where has the pattern of you staying small or you, mm-hmm. you know, self-erasing come from? So true. And yeah, you know, and it's again, like it's you doing that. It's you choosing that. It's not even about the other person. But you had to come out of that and like step into this moment of being single for the first time since I was like 14 and be like, whoa, this is how, and I've, I'm so thankful for relationships because they've showed me who I am and they've been such a foundation for growth for me mm-hmm. and they've been such a portal for growth for me. But wow, being alone is really the I best. I think we both equally love it and are like, okay, but how much longer? What do you mean? <laughs> we're both, we're what both, do you mean? Like some weeks I, I think know. we're loving it and then other weeks I, you know, I'm like, Krista, I'm loving it because I feel like I feel like it's coming for me and for you too. So now I'm like, wait, I don't want it. That's how I feel too. I'm exactly. getting cold feet a little bit because exactly. I can feel I'm finally open to it. Probably, you know, I'm for the first time very open to dating, to experiencing a new relationship. And I, I will say I've had that cold feet feeling of like, but wait, I've never no, had literally. I've never had an in, a relationship interrupt singleness before in my life I've been in a relationship since 17 years old like always with some sort of relationship so I've never had this long of being single and then a relationship comes in oh my god I know exactly what you mean I'm usually relationship to a little bit Same. of time in the relationship you know what I mean so I'm relationship to something in the end and we carry like I'm like <laughs> yeah we're bookending yeah things. honestly I'm like I've never even had a time in between and so mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. To be like, I am single and now I'm consciously choosing Yes, that's different. this person as my, and I think there feels like more pressure because I'm like, oh, I left this great relationship that, you know, wasn't aligned anymore. And now I'm like, now I need the best thing ever. Yeah. You need something to like make everything that just happened. Yes. Work. Like you can't go back yes. at this point, especially because I think for me, this was the first relationship where I really took all responsibility for myself. I don't hold resentment anymore towards that person. And I feel really clear as to why it didn't work. Yeah. Whereas I've used to leave relationships like unsure why it didn't work, really still pondering, longing, wondering, wondering, wondering mm-hmm. what if. There's no what if with it. I know I'm clear. I feel grateful for everything it taught me. Totally. And so now it's like, okay, well, there has to be this big thing to fill in the space of that. Totally. And in some ways it's true though, Kato, because like we both have identified so much of our value and our worth and what we really want in a partner. Mm -hmm. I think we've both taken a lot of time for the first time to identify what are like the core characteristics Mm -hmm. and the qualities. And so it's a rare person Mm -hmm. and it is a big, it's a big space to fill. If you exist, they exist. I, wait, did I, did we talk about, I wrote that in my journal recently. No way. I was in a moment where I heard him, I don't know, 
if I I'm like speaking to him as if he's all Yeah, literally. It's like I heard you. <laughs> I heard you, whoever you are. I heard if there's a you, there's a me. Yeah, but wow. I love if there's a you, there's a me. And it felt like peace in my body. I mean, that's makes me emotional. It's so beautiful. Cause I think a lot of women, you know, we even had this one of our events we did recently, and one of the women was like, I'm so creative. I you know, I'm spiritual, I'm working out, I'm doing all these things. And I feel like none of the guys are like up to par for whatever it is. And I'm like, yeah, I can see, I can understand. And I don't know, but I can see how that you would feel that way. But like, I think that sort of mentality really shortcuts like the belief that like, just because you're amazing doesn't mean there's not gonna be amazing men out there for you if you want we have to repeat your relationship. Yeah, exactly. We can't. And that makes me sad too for men because I'm like, they also bring a different flavor. Yes. It's, it's not always like you don't want the same flavor. Preach it. That's so big because we can have this subconscious belief with men that they need to show up just like us. They need to write us poetry and do all like they're not they're yes. simple communicators. They're direct, simple communicators. And I feel like that's been a big shift for both of us where we've really talked about what are the qualities that I'm bringing? I don't want him to match that. What are the qualities that he's bringing that I'm not? That's either not my zone, yep. not my area. He's more advanced in that area. I want somebody who's more advanced than me in X, Y, Z. Yep. How can we have shared values, but then our specialties mm-hmm. and our specialties that come together to make this like beautiful formula? And like, I even had a friend recently that was like, I, there's this guy I think you'd be interested in. And he's like super spiritual. I'm like, he's playing the didgeridoo on his. I'm like, that's I not cannot picture with my vibe. Exactly. I'm like, because you're so deeply spiritual but i don't want that but you're yeah my man to have that as his essence but not as his presentation exactly because there that would just create that would neutralize the relationship so it's just such a blessing being and we've said spiritually claimed not single which i love because single has such i also think it's made a wall around me i I kind of think about that lately i want to talk to you about that oh yeah so we both said that we're spiritually claimed because i feel like my man's are is already spiritually in my life no you guys should hear me we're psychotic it's delulu before the trend happened psychotic crazy on another level but it is fine we're gonna have a great story once we are we're gonna have a great story and that's why i I picture whatever we're saying in our voice notes to be like said at our weddings oh yeah i already have your speech planned oh my god i can't i literally know what it is and i'm excited about it But we've said for a while that we feel spiritually claimed, which is really beautiful because it's almost like then you create this like manifestation template of like what you want to bring in because you feel like your person is out there and he is thinking about you. But then I've wondered if that has made it me not open because I I literally go to parties with people that are a vibe or people will try and set me up and I'm like, I'm spiritually claimed. You're right. I think that it could be yes and no. I've And I'm still discovering my thought process around this and my belief around this because I've never casually dated. I'm a Scorpio, deep human, casual dating what? We're either soulmates or I could care less about you. (laughs) There's no in-between for me. You're dead. (laughs) You're dead or you love me. And so I get to figure that out. When we go to Europe together, we talked about this so much of really being open and available for miracles and connections and things like that. I'm also in this place of my life where I've never been more clear about what I desire. And I'm so okay with where I am right now on my own on such a deep level that it's all right if it takes a minute. There's a big part of me that feels that. And anytime this there's like this little claw of like, yeah, but what if and where is it? Like that clock starts ticking and I start to get anxious about it. I don't want to date from that space. Like I 
it, I don't want that because then I think we start to let things in that actually aren't necessary. So that's something that's an active practice for me right now. I don't even have an answer. I just have a couple of thoughts around it because I've this is completely new territory for me. I can help you make big money. You want to do a big photo shoot. You want to start a big business. You want to like travel, have fun, express like I'm your girl. But when it comes to relationships in this lifetime, God is really teaching me a lot. It's not all my, of us. Sis. It's not my area what of do you like, mean? unless you're like dating your high school sweetheart. But there's for some people who years. just get it with union. Like there's some people who. Yeah, that's true. I just get very. Do you know anyone that you feel like has union dialed? I would say one of my mentors, Christina Louise. I love her. Mm-hmm. Christina, I love you if you're listening mm-hmm. to this. I wouldn't say that I have somebody who like has union dialed, but I think that there's some people who have a very easy, loving time in relationships. Like Mm -hmm. that part of their life is not a big point of tension. And for some people, business is that or sisterhood is that or something else. For me, it's definitely breaking codependent bonds, breaking generational trauma and relationship. Yeah. So mine's codependent for sure. Yeah, codependent's big. I think I've had them all at one point. Relationships been a point of growth for me, but by my choice of being in deep, intimate relationships with men for most of my life. Exactly. Where I went all fucking in. What's your Venus in, though? Taurus. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mine's in Libra, so she just wants to be in a relationship all the time. Wow. All I think mine's Taurus in the fourth house or something. I'm a lover at heart, though. I Same. love love. I love partnership. Same. I I've always had a vision that I want to marry somebody that I can break generational curses with. Mm-hmm. I, I want to build kingdom level love with someone. And I felt if you would ask me a year ago, I wouldn't even be able to utter those words because I didn't see my value or see, you know, you've watched me in real time just come into contact with the worthiness and the understanding that I get to choose that if I really want it. And before my relationships I, I I stayed longer because I was just afraid of being alone. I was afraid of being by myself and not feeling fulfilled by that. Mm-hmm. And so I think the greatest gift of the breakup and everything was coming back into relationship with myself. That was the real love story. Yeah. Like that's turned out to be just, I just love myself I so know, much right same. now. I mean that in the most innocent way of like, totally. I just love you, girl. Like you really, you've really done some miraculous things with your life. And I'm so proud of who I am today. And to be able to date from that place is completely new for me. And I'm excited to see what happens. I don't know. To be continued. To be continued. I'm manifesting a podcast with both of our men and we do like a double interview. I am too. I am too. It's actually in my vision for me and my person to do one with his friends. And we literally talk about fucking sports. (laughs) We're not talking about anything spiritual. It's literally about sports. Chris is the most spiritual and non-spiritual person I've ever oh, met. You, I just have my rebel heart where I'm like, if it, gets too, if it gets too much of one thing or one way or everyone's too, I'm like, nope, got to be the, going this way. You have levity. You have the gift of levity. You bring that yeah. to my life and it keeps things deep and light at the same time. That's me. Dynamic, baby. Yeah. I love you so much. We have to do a second one when we get back from our trip. I can't. So here's how I know this trip is going to be insane because I usually see like a few months ahead. You get these little pings and you kind of see stuff. I cannot see past like the first week in Ibiza. I same. I'm like, we're going in blind now. Same. (laughs) My cats are like freaking out because I think they know that like something's up. Yeah, they know you're about to change. Yeah. I'm about to dip and like about to change. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I'm like, that's why I didn't even plan anything for the rest of the year besides editing the book. So I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck's like, going to Who you're going to be, what you're going to feel. Mm-hmm. I have to surrender. Baby. I can't remember the last time I've had that opportunity. I can't remember the last time I just went into something completely open to what could happen. So this will be good. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love you. I love you. Thanks for being with me, being my sister. Thank you for having me, Queen. Love you. Okay, guys, we love you. Almost 30 crew. I love y'all. And your crew. And my crew. My new crew. Y'all my family now. I'm here. We love you guys. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Victoria. That is Victoria Washington. I am Victoria Washington on Instagram. We'll see y'all in February for the Wealth and Voice Immersion. Please DM me at It's Krista or go to itschrista.com for more information on that. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We've been doing this for seven years and it really helps us when you share episodes. So if this one really resonated with you, please share it with a friend. It's such a nice way to start a convo. Mm -hmm. And if you want to learn more about Almost 30 and what we have going on, go to almost30.com. We have a membership, a community where you can really come as you are, make new friends, learn a lot, grow a lot, and laugh a lot. Yes. We love you guys. We'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye.